This episode sponsored by Claydom. If you build on Salesforce, you know writing secure code can be really hard. Claydom makes it easy for you. Claydom plugs into your Git repos in seconds and automatically protects you from hundreds of security vulnerabilities such as CRUD FLS violations, code injections, vulnerable third-party libraries, and more. Claydom works with GitHub, Bitbucket. GitLab and Azure DevOps. Go to getclayton.com/salesforceway to get one month of secure development essentials for free. It's getclayton.com/salesforceway. You can also find the link in our show notes. Clayton, build on Salesforce, stay secure. Hey everybody! This is Xi Xiao. This is yet another new episode of Salesforce Web Podcast. Today I'm sitting with a new guest with me. Her name is Susanna Centurion. Hello, Susanna. Hi, Xi. Nice to be here. Thanks. Thanks for sharing your time with us. So before we start, would you mind to introduce yourself? Absolutely. So my name is Susanna Saint Germain. I am a technical architect at Odaseva. So we are a Salesforce ISV, and I was previously a Salesforce architect at a large customer. So I've been on both sides, and I have、uh, around nineteen certifications. I am also, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I am、uh, so I stay busy, right? I am also a co-lead for Ladies Be Architects, which is a Salesforce community group,、uh, co-lead of the Boston Salesforce Admins User Group, and I'm also a Rad Women Coach. Wow, I know you are quite active in the community. <laughs> Not only the the hats that you are wearing, also you are doing the presentations all around the world, right? Yes, absolutely. So last year, I had the the pleasure of speaking at a number of different community conferences, the Dreamin events、uh, in the U.S., in Europe, in Amsterdam.、Uh, shout out to your Dreamin, and、uh, also in、uh, in Australia, I had the amazing opportunity to go to Down Under Dreamin in Brisbane, and that was、wow. just an amazing opportunity. Yeah, that's cool. Could you also let us know a bit more about your current responsibility? You're a technical architect for the ISV、mm-hmm. like、solution, am I right? Yes.、So、you make sure the solution is designed in the correct manner. Exactly. So,、uh, Odaseva is a, a solution that works mostly with large enterprises.、Uh, so, we work to help.、Um, Large enterprises have data success on many levels, so data protection.、Um, we help with backup and restore, but also things like data compliance as well. And、mm-hmm. uh, if you know anything about working with large enterprises and their data in Salesforce, it can become pretty complex pretty quickly.、Um, mm-hmm. So I am there almost in a, a consultant role to help. Enterprises leverage our tool, but also to make sure that they're setting up their Salesforce architecture and customizations in a way that's going to help them、uh, protect their、mm-hmm. data and do what they really need to do. Depending on where they are, if they're in Europe, you know, there's a lot of constraints and considerations around GDPR. If they're in California, here in the U.S., it's around CCPA.、Um, so things like that. That's a really a typical technical architect role, and.、Uh, Are you also after the CTA as well? <laughs> yes, so I am. I、um, I achieved my、um, two domain 
certification. So the um, application architect and system architect, I achieved mm-hmm. those uh, now about a year, more a little over a year ago. Um, so for the past year, I've been continuing to get experience just in you know practical like day to day working architect role, and mm-hmm. um, I'm hoping in the next year to really ramp up my CTA studies and with the goal of being uh, at least being uh, putting my best effort into being ready by the end of 2020 is my my current goal <laughs> all the best to you oh thank you i know you. it's a difficult it's yes <laughs> it's really a difficult certificate and it's about it i like i like it i like the preparation because it's different from all of the other uh, exams that are you know multiple choice and it's more about focusing on a specific domain um, what's been nice so far about my cta preparation has been that it's more about just learning the entire um, broad landscape of Salesforce and also outside of Salesforce too, because there's a lot, uh, a lot of content, a lot of, um, a lot of practical experience that's needed with integrations, with things like mm. identity and access, and that really goes outside the the bounds of just you know Salesforce proper. <laughs> I see. Susan, I understand you didn't have an IT background, and then you somehow switched. <laughs> That's correct. Yes. So I um, I went to school. I, I did my college and my uh, graduate degree uh, focused on music. So I uh, play the viola. That's what I thought I'd okay. be doing. Yeah. <laughs> That's what I thought I'd for be doing. For the rest of a life. <laughs> yeah, for the rest of my life, playing in an orchestra somewhere. Um, mm. But I, you know, I got kind of burnt out doing that. I was um, doing my master's here in Boston where I, I still live and um, was just not seeing really where my career was going to go. I, I was struggling to figure out, you know, what's my next step and, and all of that. And um, I went through a, a fair amount of career transition, not at not at first with my eye on, oh, I know I'm going to be in IT or, oh, I know I'm going to work with Salesforce. De- definitely mm. not the case. Um I started to slowly transition um, from being a working musician to um, working in the business side of of music. So at a, a nonprofit, mm-hmm. I was working as a fundraiser, actually. So I was working on um, tracking donations and working with donors. And that's the first time I had the opportunity to work with a CRM system. And it wasn't Salesforce at the time. Uh, but I really loved the the process of learning about that particular technology. And I was part of a a migration from one CRM system to another and just loved the idea of thinking about how to, where does this data go? What are the structures that exist in this particular software package? And uh, over the years, just transitioned more and more towards the IT side of the house um, and eventually found myself, you know, being like, well, I wish I could do this full time. I wish I didn't have to also balance my fundraising duties with, um, you know, noodling around with uh, software, which over the over the years, I ended up working in a fundraising department that used Salesforce mm-hmm. and um, just really wanted to find a role where I could I could do Salesforce work full time. I see that you didn't know that IT was your destination. Absolutely. You were trying to see different things, right? You're Absolutely. juggling different balls on the air and exactly. see which one fits you best. Exactly. Okay. So I, yeah, I, I was 
it, you know, I wasn't um, seeing my career in the music side. And then I, I thought, well, maybe. So that was because the burnout. It's the not burnout. because like mm-hmm. a job opportunity or salary, something like that. I, you know, I think it was a little bit of both. I think it was a burnout okay. paired with, you know, not seeing a lot of opportunity necessarily. It was around, when was I in, in grad school? So it was around um, 2008. So in the U.S. at least, or in 2008, there's a lot of turmoil, I think, for a lot of folks in general around, you know, I'm graduating, what am I going to do? And um, definitely, I felt that as well, I think. I see. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. (laughs) And, um, you know, I so I sort of was trying exactly what you were saying. I was trying to figure out where do I fit, right? I Mm. didn't know that it was going to be tech. Um, I was dabbling with, right, with this fundraising role. And I, I then decided, okay, well, I'll try and see if this is what, you know, feels feels right, if this is where my I feel like my career should go. And so I, I went down that path for a while. I was like, okay, well, the next step, if I want to do this, the next step for me would be to be like a, a an individual gifts officer, which is, you know, primarily not working in like the back back of house, not working with databases, but is out in the front line, almost like a salesperson raising mm-hmm. money and closing deals. So I was like, I'll try that and see if I, you know, see if I like that. <laughs> within, mm-hmm. uh, like almost immediately, <laughs> I knew that that was not the right fit. I was like, oh, okay. I miss, you know, I miss working with systems. I don't love this, you know, 100% just like building relationships. It makes, you know, I'm I'm a bit of an introvert. I was like, oh, I, I definitely don't think this is the right fit. So I, I continued mm. to work until I, I found what, you know, really seemed to resonate with me as a, as, as a, I don't know, just as a person with my, I'm very, and we can talk about this in a bit, but I, you know, I love learning. That's, I think, something that um, I realized over lots of different roles. Like Mm -hmm. I wanted to be in a, a job where it was part of my responsibility to be continuously learning. And that's definitely something I found with Salesforce and with the architect role in particular. Like that's a main that's a main focus of my my job, and and that's something that I really do love. That's good to know. I want to put a bit focus on switching from maybe an admin role. I understand you had admin role before as well, right? That's correct. How you shifted from admin to a developer, started writing code. You know, that's yes. a huge gap for a lot of people. They're yes. really scared of writing code they don't understand so how did you do that absolutely so i was i was absolutely an admin i uh, didn't have the title and i think that's something that especially people accidental admin accidental admin but yeah <laughs> okay. right especially people coming into the ecosystem you know you hear oh there's admin and developer and architect and honestly you know there's lots of different titles and titles vary job to job i think that's just mm. important to know but i was doing admin work um i was interested in solving a particular problem at the nonprofit I was at. And that problem was related to like the one trigger and the one class. Like we didn't have a lot of code, Mm -hmm. but there was a problem that needed to be solved with code. And I worked with our developer to, to try and figure it out. And I, through that process of like seeing, you know, what the Apex could do seeing we had a couple of Visual Force pages as well at the time. So back in the day before Lightning, um, seeing, you know, what was possible with that was really intriguing to me. And I was like, I want to understand this more. 
Um, mm. So first it was the curiosity. So I think, you know, not every admin has to become a developer. It's not a, it's not like a straight line that you start here and then, you know, you have to learn how to develop and then you have to be an architect or whatever it is. Um, I think if you're not hungry to learn or if there isn't that curiosity, that's, that's fine. There's people who find fulfilling careers as an admin. Um, for me, I wanted to, I was just so curious about this. I was like, how do I learn? Um, so that was the first piece. If you don't have that curiosity and you're happy with what you're doing, that's absolutely okay. Um, I think that's mm. one of the pieces that sometimes people are like, well, I guess I have to learn how to code, so I'm going to do it. Mm. And then they're, you know, they're frustrated and they don't even, maybe that passion isn't there. Um, for me, it was pushing through when I felt like, you know, well, I, I want to learn, but I am, you know, this is frustrating. Um, mm. I, I think I, you know, I think it takes a particular type of person to want to push through those hard times. Um, mm. For me, where I found success. So there are hard times. Oh, absolutely. Um, okay. It's uh, even if you have a wonderful support system. So there's lots of resources out in the community that are targeted towards people trying to bridge the gap between admin and developer. Uh, because honestly, for me, when I started, you know, I said, okay, I want to learn. I mm. went, and this was before Trailhead, but I went and was like, okay, well, I'll read the developer docs. And if if any of you are admins and you're thinking about becoming developers, there's a huge gap, right, between being knowing nothing about code in general and trying to understand and use the developer docs. They're a huge wealth of resources once you learn how to read them and have a little bit of a base. But without that base, it's really I, I agree, it is really daunting and challenging. Um, so I I leveraged some resources in the in the community. Um, for me, that was uh, Rad Women Code. Um, if for those who haven't heard about it, it is a 10-week free uh, program geared towards, uh, it's for women who are uh, seasoned admins but are trying to bridge that gap. Um, for me, mm. that was the path that I took and I'm now a, a coach as well. So I sort of come full circle there. Uh, but even with a great uh, community, even with a great, you know, um, set of teachers, it's, it is a struggle. I mean, it is mm. something that, you know, you need to be, I guess I had to learn how to be okay with not understanding everything a hundred percent and, and continuing to go anyway, right. Continuing to pursue it anyway. If I, in uh, having faith in the fact that if I keep studying, if I keep, you know, um, trying, trying to learn the skill, similar to a language. If I keep pursuing it, over time, it will start to click. Over time, little pieces will start to fit together and make more sense. And it's true. Even today, you know, I, I pick up pieces of knowledge and they start to fit together when I, you know, when they, when they do. You can't learn everything all at once. Um, I think to anyone who is um, an admin that's looking to make that uh transition from admin to developer that's probably a biggest my biggest piece of advice like it's it's not going to come easily and i think you have to um just keep persisting and keep uh, learning even when it feels like uh, mm. even when you feel overwhelmed that's a good thing that means you're learning right if you're mm. not feeling if you're not feeling a little overwhelmed if you're not feeling a little outside of your comfort zone then you're probably not pushing yourself um like yeah. you, you might be able to yeah. So I hear it's exciting adventure for you. Mm -hmm. But were you ever afraid of looking at the code or even open the developer console? In mm, the yeah. <laughs> you had that uh, feeling as well. Mm. 
I, I definitely have. I would say not so much in being afraid to get started, but once you um, get to a certain point, and I, and I feel this way, we can talk about it from the architect perspective as well, but um, there is a, a sort of leap of faith that you need to make when you are sort of ready to put yourself out there and get, especially when you're getting real world experience, because that's really where you know, the rubber meets the road. That's where you're really going to um, move your career towards if, you know, it's a career goal and not just a hobby, hobbyist goal. And that's fine, too. If it's a career goal, you're going to have to make that leap to apply to your first job or to make a pitch to your current, you know, current employer that you want to start doing development work in in maybe a little bit of, you know, shadowing someone or, or taking on a small project. But that's really where I start started to feel that like fear or where I um, had to sort of overcome that was I I went and transitioned from my role as an admin to a role as a solo admin slash developer at a, mm. at a company and it was you know sort of that was my that was my huge test right I didn't I no longer had a couple a team of a couple of people that was working I no longer had a dev that I could ask questions to if I got stuck it was sort of my my sole responsibility um, with the community of course I definitely leaned on the the success community at the time the um, developer community at the time to you know get me out of sticky spots when I when I got stuck but um, that was I think the biggest hurdle for me like actually taking the skills that I learned and you know applying them to the real world I think that's the the scariest part sometimes one of my listeners uh, his name's Heiko Kramer and he is uh, a German mm. and he asked uh, because he's from the admin to the developer role at the moment he wanted to get the opinions like from you what are the successful mindset yes. to become a technical Salesforce role. Do yes. you have any tips for that? I do. Absolutely. Now, that's a great question. And I love that the question is from the perspective of mindset, like what's the right mindset? Because I 100% believe that anyone, if they want to, if they have the passion and they put in the time, can learn how to code, can learn how to get a technical job, especially in the Salesforce ecosystem, you know, it. if you put in the time, it's possible. Um, so it's not a question of do I have the talent? Do I have the right background? Can I do it? I 100% believe that anyone can do it. But I believe that it does take a certain mindset to be successful, especially if you're coming to this type of role, uh, like I did with a career transition, if you don't have, you know, that maybe luxury of having a, a really nice base of understanding certain technical terms and skills and how the systems work together. So I think it's a couple things from the mindset side. I think it's not being afraid to fail because um, you mm. are going to fail sometimes. I, I think that probably applies to everyone, but especially uh, coming into something brand new, you're going to get a project where you don't know how to do something or where you make a mistake. And I think you can't be paralyzed by that that fear. Um, and I think it applies to pursuing, you know, taking a, a leap and pursuing a job where maybe you're only, you know, 70% qualified or whatever is the case. I think that not being afraid to fail is one piece. Um, I think also uh, being committed to your own personal learning is another. So if you are making a career transition, it's likely not your full-time job, 
to learn what you're trying to learn to better yourself, right? If you're an admin mm -hmm. and you're trying to become a developer, you're likely not getting paid <laughs> to learn how yeah. to develop, especially when you're starting out. So you have to take sort of ownership of your development and ownership of your time to make sure that, you know, if you're working a 60 hour, uh, a, an hour, sorry, 60 hour a week, yeah, 60 hour a week job as an admin or as a manager or whatever it is doing something else, it's going to be really hard to find that extra 10 hours to study hmm. code, right? So you need to make decisions around that. Do you, you know, pr prioritize your own learning and shut your work laptop at 5 p.m., you know, three times a week or what? Obviously, you know, different people are in different spots and have different constraints. But I do think you have to make those hard decisions around, you know, I'm going to take my lunch hour and I'm going to take it for me and study what I want to pursue instead of just working through lunch, you know, like you sort of do, uh, at least in the U.S., Anyway, you know, you kind of do it without thinking. You're like, well, I'll just work through, take a working lunch mm -hmm. and take another meeting or do whatever. But I think part of it's being um, really consistent and prioritizing your own learning is one mindset to get in, knowing that, mm -hmm. you know, you can absolutely be a wonderful employee and contribute to your company. But at the end of the day, you are, you know, you are your own CEO of your of your career. No one else is going to mm. look out for you other than you. So I think it's really important to have that mindset. Um, and then also just being uh, being not afraid to fail. And then just the final one is um, getting outside of your comfort zone and being okay with the fact that you're uncomfortable. Uh, I think, you know, some people say, oh, well, if I keep practicing this or I keep pushing myself, one day I'll feel like totally at ease with um, doing these things and trying to to push myself. And the I think the fact is it's okay if you don't feel at ease. Like I'm constantly pushing myself out of my comfort zone still. Hmm. I've been it's not like I would the goal was to get comfortable in my, you know, in in learning. It was to continually push um, and be okay with that feeling, that feeling of, you know, what someone might feel is fear and, and categorize it in their brain as fear is, is actually maybe excitement, right? It's that excitement yeah. of trying to push yourself even farther. I love what you summarize the three points because um, it matches to what I thought about it. When we make the shift from admin to developer, those are the new knowledge you need to acquire. And if you say you have the passion, then you need to you know, show it to people, right? Mm -hmm. You just, you know, take extra time to, to work on it and to practice your skills. And that's the way you get the developer role. That's the way you shift from the admin to the developer. And <laughs> definitely it's uh, out of the comfort zone. And uh, Yeah, and I would love to add just, I, I think it's, you know, putting in the time to get those skills, being outside your comfort zone, but especially, I would say this applies anywhere, but especially in the Salesforce ecosystem, it's doing that. But then also, um, once you have those skills or once you, I mean, not even once you master something, but it's becoming involved in the community as well, especially if you're trying to break into a new area. I think that that really pays a lot of dividends. If you're someone who's like, well, I'm, I'm practicing, but how do I even get a job? You know, I don't have, they want someone with mm. a year's developer experience. I am an admin. I don't have that experience. The way to really bridge that gap is to get in, I would say, is to get involved in the Salesforce community so that you make relationships, you get to know people who are 
hiring, people who are looking to add to their team. Um, I think that's maybe one of the the easiest ways. That's frankly how I um, got my first role in an IT department. Um, I was working at a nonprofit. I was not IT background. I'd never had a corporate job before, but there was someone who posted on the success community before it was called the trailblazer community. And they said, I'm hiring a business analyst at a company called Boston Scientific, where I worked for four years. And uh, I saw it. I sent them a message, a direct message in the success community and said, I'd love to learn more about this, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And we exchanged a few messages and they said, okay, well, I'm, I'm the person doing the hiring, send me your resume and I'll make sure that it gets, you know, to the right people. And I am a hundred, hundred and ten percent certain that had I not done that, had I not sort of taken that route to pursue a role, I would have been screened out by the HR process in in a second because I did not have, you know, I didn't have the year's experience necessarily. I didn't work in a, a medical field before. Uh, Boston Scientific is a medical device company. So I, I had so many things that didn't meet the, you know, the 20 qualifications yeah. or whatever on the resume. I would have gotten screened yeah. out. But because I made that connection, that personal connection mm. with uh, the hiring manager, they were able to, you know, I was able to sort of skip that first screening process. Um, mm. So, And it's still okay if you didn't get it in the end, right? Absolutely. You contact them if they say you're not the suitable one. You just carry on. Absolutely. Still you are in your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the first time I I uh, applied to an architect role, I was at my, my company. I, inter- I applied internally and I didn't get it. I um, mm. I applied. I went through the, the entire hiring process. It was definitely a stretch role. My manager encouraged me to pursue. You know, we were like, "Well, go f- go through the interview process, and you'll see where your gaps are, and you'll get some feedback." And I went through it, and I didn't get it. And okay. I was, you know, I was very much. I <laughs> uh, it was, it, you know, it was hard. I it was with these people that I already worked with day to day, and I was like, "Oh, they don't think I can do this." Uh, should I, you know, maybe I won't ever be able to do it. Maybe I should like try and work, you know, you go through all the worst possibilities in your mind. Maybe I should go get a different job, all, all these things. But I so you question yourself, yeah, yeah, questioning yourself. And, you know, six months later, the, an, another architect role opened um, on our team. And I went through the same process again, even though I kind of didn't want to. I was like, oh, do I have to do this again? I don't if I, you know, if I fail again, what am I going to do? And um, this time I, I got the role and then worked as an architect at that company for several for several years. So um, I, I would say definitely that, you know, it getting being OK with failing and learning from the process, even though it hurts your, you know, hurts your ego. It can, you know, be hard. But that's the way mm. that you, you know, that's the way that you grow. Mm, cool. So Susanna, what are your current struggling? I mm. think everybody still struggles everywhere, right? Yes. No matter where you are in the ladder. So Absolutely. So where I struggle right now, that's a great question. I've been thinking a lot about that. Um, so I'm, I am preparing for the CTA, like you said. Um, I am. So I'll, I'll take it in two. I'll answer it in two ways. There, I'm struggling with or I'm continuing to fill gaps. And this is something that anyone who's transitioning into IT, especially through Salesforce, mm-hmm. um, the, the gaps that I need to fill now from, you know, as I think about my learning path, I'm filling in some gaps of things that I are non-Salesforce directly related. So 
things like um, learning about, you know, I, I know what uh, SSL and TLS are, like I know those, you know, acronyms, but what exactly, you know, if I'm studying for CT, I need to know things like a level deeper, right? Um, mm-hmm. What exactly is uh, like a VPC, a virtual private cloud versus VPN? Like how do they actually work? Like, you know, all these buzzwords, especially as, you know, just working in the, the Salesforce ecosystem, you know them. But because we work in the cloud, we don't always need to think about that, um, the actual technical layer underneath. But yeah. in order to be a CTA, you do need to know those things. You need to actually know how, you know, what's happening under the hood of Salesforce. So over the last year, that's an area where I've been continuing to learn. Um, and I think it's important to uh, take a hard look at where those gaps are, even if you're, you know, like, well, I've been working, you know, as an architect for however many years and I still have this gap. Oh, that's embarrassing. That's fine. You need Mm. to address it and be honest with yourself about where, you know, you need to dig harder. Um, So that's one thing that I, I continue to, I wouldn't say struggle, but that I continue to be aware of. I continue to, mm. you know, make sure I'm, I don't have any blind spots that I'm ignoring. Um, but then from a, a personal sort of struggle um, that I think probably a lot of people can relate to um, is, you know, I'm at a point in my career now where I sometimes struggle with asking for honest feedback and accepting honest feedback. Um, it's it's something that I think is so important, especially at uh, no matter where you are, no matter what level you are at. But I think sometimes when you're just starting out, it can be a little easier to ask for feedback, sort of ask for feedback from mm. anyone. You're like, oh, I'm starting out. Can I, you know, pick your brain on this? Yeah, I don't know anything junior, about it. Like, yeah, yeah, I'm a junior. Like, let me have a conversation. Mm. But when you're at, at a more, you know, at a more intermediate or senior level, I think figuring out who are those right people to ask for honest feedback because sometimes if you ask, you know, it, it some companies, unfortunately, if you ask for feedback from every single person, they're going to be like, who is this person? Especially I'll say, you know, coming from uh, from being a woman in IT, right? You can't just willy nilly go around asking every single person, like, what do you think about this? What do you think about that? Because um, there mm-hmm. are, you know, some people might not take that as uh, being, oh, well, I expect her as an architect to be, you know, the the person who knows everything, right? Yeah. Um, and, you know, no one knows everything, but I do think figuring out how do you ask for honest and open feedback and then and then take that feedback and, you know, really apply it at a non-junior level is is something that is sort of it's counterintuitive for all the skills that it it took you to get where you are right you had to sort of mm. push yourself and not be afraid to fail and go for like the big the big jobs go for the hard you know study the hard topics even if you don't get it um, but at a certain point you do need to to take a step back i think and ask like am i getting this exactly right like what is you know am i teaching this back to you correctly. Um, and so that's something that I've really been struggling with, but trying to do better at this year is finding those mm. people that I can, that know a lot more than me. Cause there's, you know, ev- there's every, um, no matter who you are, there's going to be someone who knows something you don't know. Right. And if you get in a room, mm. there's going to be someone who knows X, Y, Z better than you. And it's been, mm. um, my, my, goal to find those people for the different areas where I'm not an expert yet um, and and getting feedback and, and honing my skills even more. Um, so that's my mm. current hardest struggle, I think. I have discussed with one of my guests in the past. It's about the soft skills. Mm. It's really how to get the, the honest opinions. Um, yes. 
the the kind of output we had is that you need to take it seriously. You need to take even like a one to one conversation during the lunch, for example. You tell him or tell her that I'm deliberately practicing this, so、mm. I think I have some mistakes. So could you tell me what I've done wrong? Yeah. Once the other side see that you really put your heart in learning this, then they know、mm-hmm. they won't really hurt you if they give you honest opinion. Yes,、so、exactly. The conversation starts exactly, and I think you know honestly, people are most of the time people aren't gonna like if you're if you're someone coming into it and you're like I'm worried someone's gonna say something really mean and like、mm-hmm. tear me apart or whatever it is. In my experience. That's not the thing you need to worry about, right? People are, especially if you you sit down with them and you explain, you know, I put in all this hard work, blah blah blah. Could you give me some feedback? Ninety nine percent of the time, the thing you have to worry about is not people being mean, but it's people being too nice. I would say, yeah,、um, they're going to say, "Oh, you did great. Nothing. You don't need to improve anything. It was awesome." But you need to find that special person, right? Or that, and it,、yeah. it's not always the person that's closest to you. It's not always, you know, it's it depends. But it's、mm. the person that's going to give you that honest feedback. That's you know constructive. That's not hurtful, but、um, that's not too nice either, right? Because、yeah. otherwise, if、that's、everyone、cool. says, "Oh, don't change a thing. You did great," you know. Is that is that <laughs> is helpful, right? So、yeah. it's a fine line. <laughs> cool, excellent, Susan. I think that's all I wanted to ask you on this conversation. So、excellent. before we round up, do you have anything else you still want to share with us? Yeah. So to wrap up, let's say、um, I think we touched on a lot of my advice around pivoting、mm-hmm. and transitioning into a technical career. But maybe the one thing that、um, I would add. Is that you know the the most important indicator really of, of how you're gonna of how you're gonna fare the indicator of your success is how hungry you are to learn. I think that's if you have that hunger to learn, I think you know that puts you ahead of a lot of other people. I think the the second thing that is going to really give you that edge that you're looking for in in learning is. Creating a strategy, and we talked about it sort of in lots of different ways in this、mm. conversation. But you、yeah. need to have a strategy of how you're going to learn, and that's not just doing one particular thing. It's not just doing trailhead, or it's not just getting certifications. It's you know what is your strategy for learning about a single topic? What topics do you want to prioritize? Because you can't learn everything about Salesforce all at once, right? It's so big. So thinking、mm-hmm. about you know not. Just being hungry to learn, but what's my strategy to make sure that I'm achieving the goals that I want to meet in in the short term and in the long term? So, I think those are my two big pieces of advice I'd like to to leave you guys with. Excellent, Susanna. It's great talking to you today, and、uh, see you next time. Sounds good. Thank you. Hi, I'm constantly looking for good guests. If you have any guest recommendation, please reach me out. I'll make sure they are joining to the show to share their knowledge. Otherwise, thanks for listening to the show. I'll see you next Thursday.